You're listening to the Townsville Chamber cast. Essential information, ideas and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. In this episode, Michael sits down with Carl Valentine, managing partner at PBW Partners, to discuss the latest October 2022 budget and what it means for businesses in Townsville. At the time of this recording, all information was current. However, some information may have changed. Hi, Carl. How's it going? Good. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here talking about the budget with you. Yeah, thanks very much. It just seems like uh, budgets now seem to be either twice a year or any month the government chooses to have them. It's been a little bit challenging with both COVID elections and I suppose the whims of government around the timing of when they're handed down. But I would like to think we'll get into a more steady pattern and back to our second Tuesday in May before too long. Yeah, look, that'd be great. I note with the budget, some of the commentators, you know, said it was a family friendly budget. Um, But was it a business friendly budget? Not necessarily. And perhaps we shouldn't expect every budget to have something in it for business nor for any particular part of the community. The the government has a pretty big job in trying to make a limited pool of resources go around. And one of the challenges they'll face is every stakeholder group, every interest group will feel that there should be something for them in the budget. And I think if we sit back and reflect on it, we do have a pretty good business environment at the moment, not without its challenges, but things are going along pretty well. And as much as anything, businesses just want certainty and they want government to get out of the way and let them get on with being in business and doing their business. Mm, Exactly. And, you know, just reflecting on the budget, where do you think the government's got it right and maybe where do you think it's got it wrong? I think the government's done a pretty good job in not trying to introduce too many new measures at the moment. As I was just saying, businesses like that certainty. And if there's too much taxation change, superannuation change, it can destabilise where business is going. So I like that there wasn't a lot of new measures. Mm. Do, you, do you think perhaps uh, what happened in the UK recently with the uh, sort of demise of the Prime Minister over there, there might well have been a bigger agenda under the table or on the table even that uh, uh, Dr Chalmers had been working on and that he got a bit uh, scared off with that um, outcome in the UK? and instead went for the light touch budget. Well, potentially, and we, we've even seen in Queensland with the, the former Newman government, if you change things too quickly, you can create a lot of enemies along the way. So, look, I'm not sure about that in particular. Uh, they also didn't have a lot of time to introduce a budget, and a budget has already been handed down this year. We had a budget on the 29th of March that did set out the then government's plan for the year ahead. So I'd like to think there wasn't that much to actually do in such a short space of time. There wasn't that much that they needed fixing. Mm. You sort of get the sense, though, that this is maybe a bit of an entree to the main meal. And the entree was just, as you say, tick off a few boxes of the things that were in the budget that they liked, put a few crosses in the boxes for the things they didn't like or felt that were pork barrelling from the previous government. Um, And do you think we're heading for a a big main meal or do you think maybe it could be another entree um, in terms of, you know, not addressing some major structural reforms that need to be addressed? I certainly hope there is more to come because what we've seen so far wasn't really a big announcement about policy and it didn't give us a real feel for where this new government wants to take us from a fiscal perspective. One of the things that I always reflect on after a budget is there's missed opportunities for things like tax reform. How do we create meaningful change in our economy that actually sees us shift away from taxation of income, which can have fairly negative effects on business and personal activities, 
to things like taxes on consumption? How do we reform from an income tax-based system to a more GST-based system? That's a much bigger topic though, Michael, and maybe we should have a separate podcast on that another time. Indeed, Carl, I know it's one of your areas of personal interest. And um, I think we will uh, certainly enjoy that as a separate um, a separate presentation. Um, look, some of the things in the budget um, scared me not so much for what was in there and what was going to impact the next 12 months, but some of the forward projections around, for instance, electricity costs, uh, projecting those to increase by 20% by the end of the year and a further whopping 30% uh, the following year. Um, you know, from a business perspective, um, the, the thought of those costs of operating a business um, increasing by such a great extent. And look, when you add to that, the expected fuel cost increases, possibly around 220 a litre, who knows where it might end. And, you know, things like the projected decline in the GDP um, and some of the other things. Um, is, is this as scary as it looks into the future? Yeah, I don't know that businesses will react just because some numbers came out in the budget. Uh, as we were saying, the, the budget in many ways was fairly innocuous and businesses will like that, well, there's not a lot of change coming in there. But certainly there's some headwinds that business needs, business needs to be thinking about. Um, you've outlined some of those already. Energy costs are increasing. We're seeing general cost increases with high rates of inflation. Uh, businesses that rely, rely on labour in particular have to stay on top of increasing wage costs. So the budget did forecast higher wages growth. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of businesses are already seeing that as they're competing for scarce labour in various parts of our economy. Mm. On top of that wages growth, though, we've got higher superannuation costs. We're on a journey now from 10.5% to 12% over the next couple of years. So that's another 1.5% increase in wages coming up. There's all these things that businesses are already juggling, and I think we're already highly attuned to before the budget was handed down. Mm. Yeah, look, it's exactly. It's uh, certainly going to be um, potentially difficult times for um, small business uh, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. The trick will be balancing those increasing costs and how successful businesses are in either containing other costs in their business or their ability to pass those costs on to customers. Mm. Uh, the problem then is we just enter into a, a, an everlasting inflationary cycle. If input costs are increasing and businesses increase their pricing in return, where does the cycle end? And that's where we really need to be looking to the Reserve Bank to get on top of monetary policy and try and do something to dampen a little bit of consumer demand in our economy. Mm. Uh, Carl, recently we've seen in the business confidence surveys a drop in confidence. Do you think the budget, and that was prior to the budget, and that was the previous quarter, do you think the budget will further dampen though that sort of level of confidence in local businesses, or do you think it's still a bit of a waiting game? Yeah, I don't think the budget itself will change business behaviour too much. Yes, we saw some new data that came out, uh, but I think businesses were already aware of those things. So in mm. the absence of anything particularly negative for business, I think business will carry on. Uh, the business confidence survey reflected a result that I think had been coming for a little while. Uh, businesses in Townsville have been doing fairly well, but challenged by labour scarcity, resource scarcity, and other cost increases, uh, including interest rate increases in their businesses. So. Uh, the way the survey works, it was it was inevitable at some point in time that confidence would fall a little bit. Mm. 
not all doom and gloom though. I think businesses are still quite confident and uh, we are certainly not seeing anything like the results we saw in the sort of five to six years after the uh, the GFC and the slow recovery Townsville had, uh, which was hit back, uh, knocked down again by things like Yabulu closing, the Queensland Nickel Refinery closing. So certainly still a good long-term upward trend in business confidence, I feel. Mm, certainly still a positive. We're in the positive territory, which is a good place to be. Absolutely. And, and you're right, just like interest rates having gone down for 10 years in a row almost, they have to go up. Um, but we've had a good downward ride for quite a while. Um, I guess in the budget, Townsville did have some great news uh, with a $71.9 million funding commitment over seven years to develop a green hydrogen hub in the city. Uh, what other good news stories could you see there in the budget, maybe for the Townsville business community? Yeah, so in terms of immediately local benefits in the budget, uh, funding for infrastructure for the Lansdowne Eco-Industrial Precinct is, is quite a good news story. The development of more land there uh, should be good ultimately for our economy. The North Queensland Simulation Park, Spark, which will be located at JCU and the Laverack Barracks, received funding for construction as well. So that's another project that's been in the pipeline for quite some time and will certainly add to and enhance what we're doing in terms of defence industries here in Townsville. Uh, there was also some funding awarded for further water studies on the uh, in central Queensland and the Burdekin region. And I'm sure we'll talk about this, but there's also the negative elements of the Hell's Gate project not being funded as well. Mm. So yeah, Absolutely. Um, but just to continue on the positive for a little bit, um, the Oasis Veterans Centre received additional funding, which is wonderful. I don't think we should ever forget as a town how much defence brings and the obligation we have as a community then to look after our veterans and so projects like the Oasis are just critically important and the right thing for us to be doing as a community to support the veterans and defence industry that does so much for our city. Oh, absolutely, Carl. You, you've got that one uh, now knocked right on the head there. Um, I suppose the other thing that I guess we can be grateful in the budget is there was the opportunity to keep things in the budget. And one of the things that the Townsville Chamber of Commerce, Commerce was heavily involved in uh, was ensuring that the reinsurance pool was established by the former government and it was pleasing to see that this funding uh, which was activated I think in 1 July this year and currently under review by the ACCC remained intact. Yeah absolutely. I think for a lot of business owners despite all the great work by the Chamber the jury is still out a little bit around the impacts hopefully the positive impacts the reinsurance pool will have. In time I, I do hope to see some more positive impacts there but yeah wonderful that changes haven't been made to that. And I think in the same vein, it's also great that the additional $2 billion of funding for the NAIF was effect effectively reconfirmed by the new government. So looking forward to seeing the NAIF doing more great things for businesses and government in Northern Australia. Mm. But of course, unfortunately, um, topping the bill in terms of the unfortunate and devastating news was the commitment of the $5.4 billion to the Hellsgate Dam, uh, which had been promised uh, funding from the previous government had been scrapped. Uh, and of course, this project involved a 2,100 gigalitre dam in the upper Burdekin catchment, uh, just over 100 k's northwest of Townsville. And it was expected to create more than 10,000 jobs for the region. Um, this is a devastating blow for the region, isn't it? Absolutely. It was something that was being looked forward to. It was expected it was going to take some time from where we were 12 months ago to actually see 
concrete being poured and other mm. construction activity. But the project was bringing a, a fair bit of excitement to the region. And mm. one thing that we benefit from in Townsville is our location as part of that entire Northwest Minerals province. So it's not only Hell's Gates, it's things mm. like the copper string transmission lines. Anything that generates activity in our region is ultimately good for Townsville mm. uh, because we are the logistics hub, the port. Uh, we are the provider of a workforce for the whole of the Northwest Minerals province as well. Uh, we benefit from increased levels of agriculture. So anything that's going to capture water, let us actually develop more energy infrastructure. Let us tell the world that Townsville is a great place to come and do business because not only is we've not only is what's happening in Townsville itself, but in that adjacent region as well, is critically important to us. Mm. And look, as I understand it, um, you know, it was great news getting the hydrogen um, funding. Um, but I also understand in producing uh, one kilogram or, um, of hydrogen, it, it takes nine litres of water. And I just hope the government can um, appreciate that that security around future water supply is absolutely critical. Um, and even in terms of overseas countries looking to invest here, absolutely critical. And I just hope um, they haven't cut their nose off despite their face in this in terms of a long-term benefit. Yeah, that's benefit. right. And uh, something like Hell's Gates, it's not only about us here in North Townsville, North Queensland. It's about building projects that are of national significance mm. and being able to show the rest of the world that we do have good alignment between different levels of government and we have consistency in government decision-making, no matter which party is in power. So I think it's quite a shame that potentially foreign investors are now looking at Australia and saying, well, you've had one government say yes to this and then another government say no to it. Mm. Apart, so that that is a real shame, and mm. I do hope it doesn't actually erode investor confidence mm. in Australia, let alone in, in Townsville and North Queensland. Yeah. And as you say, Carl, currently we have aligned uh, state local and you know federal governments are aligned if you like so let's hope that uh, those partnerships can can yield some you know consistent and um, wonderful outcomes for the region absolutely um, so what are the other um, exciting things that you see from a budget perspective that might be uh, coming up next year yeah so one of the big topics of discussion leading up to this budget was around the stage three tax cuts. For now, the government has promised to stick by their well, pre-election promise indeed, maintain that promise of allowing those tax cuts to continue. Uh, the stage three tax cuts are legislated, so they are in law. I think a lot of people in Australia would be looking forward to those stage three tax cuts. Uh, there's a lot of debate around to whom they give the biggest benefit and whether it's fair and equitable. But in terms of trying to help families in Australia with cost of living, the stage three tax cuts will do that. They'll put money back in people's pockets and will help people continue to maintain the standard of life that they aspire to. Mm. So it's a one, I th in my view, the stage three tax cuts are a wonderful complement to the announcements in the budget around childcare, changes to childcare subsidies that will benefit more families, the increased levels of paid parental leave that will benefit families. So mm. for me, it would be a logical progression 
for the government to do nothing in terms of changing those stage three tax cuts. And it's important to have that increased disposable income available to be spent in the community. Often uh, when times get tough, that discretionary spending drops off. We won't have that extra coffee. We won't have that extra trip to the movies or another entertainment item and we start to cut back. So it is important to have that disposable income increasing. Do you have any concerns that either that will get chewed up then in potentially increased uh, loan repayments or you know that some sort of adverse effect from uh, the increasing in increased um, rates of interest? Um, or the other, I suppose, phenomenon that we're noting is that a lot of people are still putting money away into a bank mm-hmm. and they're holding money in the bank and we're holding it for something. We don't know whether it's for the future, for a better time, for a rainy day or whatever, but still seems to be a lot of people holding on to cash and and there's no real stimulus to release it and invest in something. Mm. Again, I I think for households and business, it's certainty that they all crave. Mm. The discussion around the stage three tax cuts is creating uncertainty. So families may not be expecting the stage three tax cuts to actually materialise. And so that would lead them to save more money in anticipation of not getting that benefit in the future. So I think really important that there's a clear signal from our government that yes, we are doing this. It's in the Ford estimates. We know we can afford it as a country and it's the right thing to do. Mm. In terms then of, well, how's that spent? Well, those tax savings would provide a bit of a buffer against increased mortgage repayments Uh, other cost increases. So as I was saying, I I think it's a good way for government to put money back in people's pockets Mm. and provide a buffer against the increasing cost of living that we're now talking about. And I suppose the other dimension of that uncertainty for business, um, if you are a business operator and you're sitting there wondering whether you should, one, keep your business going, you know, or sell it, or also whether you might consider expanding or buying a new business. and I can imagine that uncertainty is, is weighing heavily in the minds of, of business operators. And anecdotally, I think we've heard a story at least of people um, affected by that uncertainty because of uh, you know, a backlog of contracts, uh, interruption to supply chain issues, costs of materials increasing, really forcing some of those people to think twice and thinking, actually, maybe it's time to get out of this business at this point in time. What, what is your sort of feeling about that? Yeah, I think that some of that sort of thinking, yes, that thinking is real, but there's also another group of business owners that have learnt how to do business in some really tough times, particularly in our region. So the businesses that we have today have been through some pretty difficult times after the GFC, and they are better at doing business now than they were 10 years ago. So I think our business owners are smart enough and savvy enough to find their way through and if some other business owners exit relative, uh, their industries, there's more business owners ready to take on those businesses and continue growing them that are able to deal with the current climate just as well. Mm. Yes, it almost seems like running a business, you have to have that ability to adapt, um, you know, uh, as they say, pivot, um, be flexible, reactive, um, and all of that. And unfortunately, that just is part of the... Um, you know, the requirements of running a business these days. You can't expect it's the same business operation now as it will be in 10 years' time. And often you will have to start um, re-engineering, re-reimagining your your business, your products, 
almost within 12 months of getting going. The, the notion of you can just cruise for the first five years and then break even and by year seven you've recouped all your losses and happy days. Uh, you've got to be ready to move pretty quickly um, very early on or you can find your business operation um, you know, going under. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I'll add there, Michael, is business owners also have to be realistic mm. and understanding of the things they can control and what's a genuine external impact that businesses have little or no control over. Uh, once you understand those, I think it makes your business planning a lot easier. You can prepare for them and have contingency plans in place. But if you can't actually directly influence something, then that element of being realistic and making sure that you're not too hard on yourself as a business owner either. It can be pretty lonely and it's a big responsibility when you've got employees and their families relying on you doing the right thing. So being realistic, being kind to yourself is also an important mental health aspect of being in business. One of the things, Carl, I noted in the budget was the government's very um, deliberate actions of not trying to spend um, what they called a windfall out of commodity prices. The world commodity prices have gone up and I think it, it reduced the um, sort of originally budgeted deficit. I won't even think what the numbers were, but it was you know something like 60 billion going down to 30 or something. Do you think that was a good decision on the government's part or is this just simply uh, being careful and not you know over committing and realizing all of a sudden that you know they'd have to withdraw that? Yeah, I, I think it is prudent. Uh, one of the reasons we are, have seen so much economic growth and are now dealing with high levels of inflation is that in response to COVID, the government did prime the economy heavily, whether that was through direct expenditure or programs like JobKeeper that put a lot of cash back in business pockets. And we are still seeing businesses in town that are in a good position with lots of cash in the bank because of that JobKeeper money that saw them through some pretty potentially lean times. So where government has to be careful now is if they continue to spend at the same rate, not only do they have to question the sustainability of that, but also the stimulatory effect that has in our economy. So I think government pulling back on spending money is actually a really good thing at the moment to help support the work of the Reserve Bank in trying to uh, put a cap on inflation before it gets even higher. Mm, and sometimes it's a bit confusing to understand the different label of politics. It almost is something another party might have done 10 years ago uh, and being conservative around those things. So it's very interesting how that works out. Um, one of the things I thought may have come through and the government might have been tempted, although all the lead up media to the uh, budget suggesting it wasn't going to happen and it didn't, was reintroducing some sort of excise uh, fuel subsidy or discount, knowing that the prices were going to go, not through the roof, but certainly increase quite significantly. Do you think that was uh, a missed opportunity or do you think, again, just being uh, prudent, uh, they put enough incentives in there? And of course, all of that, a lot of them were backloaded. Uh, so the paid parental leave, as you talk about, some of that doesn't really kick in until 24 or 26. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, do you think you think that could have been something that might have been a bit more of a sweetener or maybe they might save that for the for the big budget next year? I think it's become very easy for individuals, for family, for business to look to the government for solutions. Every time we do that as a community, it's the community that pays for that. The, As I understand it, the fuel tax excise reduction, the temporary reduction, cost about $5 billion for the six months. Wow, that's a lot. It's a lot of money and someone has to pay for that. Uh, and it's you and it's me, Michael, ultimately, mm. that will be paying for that. Mm. 
So if we keep asking for concessions and reductions, we've got to think about how's that going to be paid for. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, the politics of these decisions can distort things as well. Uh, and it becomes quite easy to blame the people who were there before you uh, or indeed your predecessors who were there m many years before you. So I just would caution anyone who thinks we're going to be able to keep living the way we're living without thinking about how we're going to pay for that. Yeah, it's exactly. It is certainly the, um, the easier way to look for solutions rather than maybe uh, other solutions. Um, one of the forecast projections around GDP growth. What do you think the government needs to do to stimulate growth uh, and activate things? Uh, again, you know, that's in my sort of past history, um, one of government's role was to stimulate or activate the economy through big infrastructure projects. And of course, our region is, is littered with those, with Ames and CSIRO and the Grubumpa and mm -hmm. uh, some of those sorts of projects, which are great back in their day. Is that the way forward for the government to try and stimulate that activity or are there other are there other ways to increase our you know, GDP generally? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, particularly in a regional setting, one of the things we need to thrive as an economy is public sector investment in catalytic projects. Mm. Uh, we need those big projects because as an economy, we're not quite there yet to create them ourselves. So we do need government support with catalytic projects. More the shame that Hell's Gates isn't going to happen at the moment. Uh, we need the investment in catalytic projects. We need the support of all levels of government to ensure that uh, our region benefits from those. But I think really importantly for us, we also need a very engaged private sector. We need businesses who can then get behind those big projects, employ the people and create the local economic opportunities. So. That's probably the missing piece in our economy at the moment, and I think will contain our growth somewhat, is we just don't have the people. We don't have the, the labour force to be making the most of the projects. So that uh, not only causes cost pressures indirectly, but slows the projects down. So I think if the other, the other thing we should be looking for government to be doing, federal government to be doing, is helping us bring in more overseas workers to supplement the workforce we now have. And there were some positive signs in the budget around that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Carl, as usual, it was a great pleasure having you here to discuss uh, the budget. Uh, we certainly will look forward to the bigger budget next May. But any final thoughts or comments you wanted to share that, um, that look, stood just, out? I think just to wrap up, our economy is in pretty good shape. Uh, everyone should be trying to read between the lines with what the media is presenting and let's avoid short-term thinking around our economic challenges and together plan for the long term and how we can work together and collaborate as, as an entire country to achieve the best outcomes for the people of Australia. Yeah, look, totally agree. Thank you very much, Carl. And Thanks, uh, we look forward to our next discussion. See you, mate. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Townsville Chambercast. Remember to subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. The Townsville Chamber of Commerce would like to acknowledge our corporate partners. James Cook University, 106.3 Star FM, External IT and NQAV for their continued support.